Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations, as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. So seriously, this is probably, this is so cool because I tonight we have Chelsea, like literally my internet friend whoop, from whoop, Instagram. Internet not famous. What's that? <laughs> Internet not famous over here. Yeah, I like it. How are you doing tonight? I'm wonderful. I've got lots of energy. There's a buttload of snow outside, but I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. you are here. Thanks I for am. coming, hey? Like, Thanks well, for having me. Well, I can only imagine how wild it or how it must feel when some stranger says, hey, would you like to come on a podcast, a recovery podcast? I can't even imagine what it was like. Were you afraid? I mean, most of the things I hear from internets on in the on the Instagram or the internet is uh, more like come over. Uh, doesn't usually end up in a church. Oh, I'm talking about a podcast. <laughs> uh, and there's less follow through usually on my behalf. But yes, I'm happy yep. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The internet has made way for mm-hmm. much simpler connections. Yeah, instant in- gratification. That's yeah, a lot of it. Isn't that what it's all about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So. I want you to have free reign to tell cool. us about you. Oh, gosh, don't give me free reign. Well, I guess I don't really know where to start or what mm-hmm. direction to really take. Uh, I'm here because we, I guess, have a shared interest mm-hmm. in people and ourselves and, and bettering that. Um, and so I guess my role where I work is I work with high acuity, uh, predominantly women right now, who have um, a trifecta of things going on that's um, all speared around homelessness, so trauma, addictions, mental health, mm-hmm. the whole gambit. Yeah. yeah. And how long have you been working in that field? So here, I've been here about a year. Previously, I came from the PDD world, so disability okay. world. Yep. A little bit of a transition, but mm-hmm. it was a good segue because things t- tend to cross over a lot. Yeah, of course they do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was there like anything in your life that kind of led you to that work? or? Yeah, you know what? Not intrinsically, right? I mean, I grew up with an alcoholic father, so mm-hmm. I think that was... Um, setting the stage for where I am now, both yeah. personally and professionally. Um, and I think that's also why I love what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, what what's your story with it? Like, mm, with my you, story. Dad, alcoholic dad. Like, mm-hmm. what's your story? Because I know for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been in the field for 20 plus years as well, for a long time. Feels like way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always, of course, that personal aspect. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Are sure. you okay talking about that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. I think it's part of my own process as well mm-hmm. um, and there's no shame and that's something that I think it, anyone who's ever lived addictions or work addictions shame and guilt mm-hmm. can be the pit of why we're all here today right yeah. and why we suffer and why we live and why hopefully ultimately we can change is, is changing that guilt and shame so I grew up in a small French town of 500 people where what's the town called? in in southern Saskatchewan called Willow Bunch 
Willow Bunch. Yeah, guaranteed. You've never heard about it, but you'll probably go ahead and Google it later. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, so I grew up in a small French, French Catholic town. Uh, my father, like I said, was an alcoholic. Um, his father and his father and his father before him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do have addictions on both sides of the family. Yeah. Um, and so growing up, I think, definitely changed my thought process on what was normal and normalizing addiction um, definitely was a seed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so did you grow into like your own addiction? Or? Yeah, I yeah. think that I would say nine out of 10 people have an addiction of some sorts. Mm-hmm. And we tend to look at the homeless person on the street as having an addiction. Yeah. But we don't necessarily look at the soccer mom mm-hmm. with the addiction. You don't look at the, the kids in university popping Adderall as having an addiction. Mm-hmm. I think it's very normal. And it's certainly something for myself that I've ebbed and flowed through through life with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it's easier to work with people because you have like a personal connection to it? I think easier is maybe not the word I would use. There's certainly challenges when you live your own addiction, mm-hmm. but I think it's a blessing. I think having understanding for where that individual is at gives you kind of an insight mm-hmm. and an edge. Yeah, for sure, right? Like it would. Um, so... Tell us about yourself. Hmm. Like you were, you you grew up in a town of five hundred, mm-hmm. a place that no one's ever heard of, Absolutely. except for those five hundred people, <laughs> because now they're down to about thirty. Absolutely, um, yeah, because nobody heard of it, yeah. so nobody went there. Darcy, mm-hmm. that's why. Well, and everyone's related, so yeah. there's only so much of a pool you can. Yeah, the gene pool has been depleted. <laughs> in what was the name of the town? The Willow Bunch. Willow Bunch. Tourism, Saskatchewan, happening right yeah. here. Yeah, let's bring it. Everybody, go to Willow Bunch, Saskatchewan. Tell them Chelsea sent you. And tell them that she said you had dope. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> no, just lots of liquor. Lots of liquor. Mm-hmm. Fair mm. enough. Fair enough. So what do you want to tell us? Huh. So I guess I can tell you a little bit about the work that I do and how it's changed me and hopefully my clients. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's something that's a real passion for me. Um, I tend to not have a direct job title, mm-hmm. we'll say. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I do, but off off the books, right? Yeah. Um, some days I'm a crisis negotiator mm-hmm. wielding butcher knives. Other days I'm a glorified hugger with a great set of Kleenex boxes kicking yeah. around my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess day to day we work with high acuity women who are experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look at why they're there and how we can help them drive the car to their own success. Yeah. And a lot of that's through networking and meeting people that are also trying to help the, the common goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, I don't know. Like, um, I could have a bunch of questions. None of them would be relevant, mm-hmm. really. Uh, it's what brought you. What brought you here? I'll ask you that because honestly, if somebody would have looked me up on the internet and said, "Hey, would you like to be on a podcast?" Mm-hmm. Right. And what kicked me into asking you was a post that you made. Mm-hmm. Right. A post that you made about mental health. Yeah. It, it was during. I think it was Bell. Let's talk. It I was think during so. that time frame love bell let's talk yeah me too it's it's one it's such a cool initiative Um, so one one of the things that i am um that's a real tearjerker for me is mental health awareness Mm -hmm. something that i'm extremely passionate about because i have lived with mental health concerns issues Mm -hmm. whatever insert your your word of the of the day um for most of my life certainly all of my adult life Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the the chicken or the egg question um with mental health and with addiction what truly comes first, right? Mm-hmm. And so we know by reading, by by research, that um, there's trauma. For mm-hmm. everyone that I've met that has any 
addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's trauma. There's trauma as a component. And one thing that has maybe got me where I am today is looking at vicarious trauma and how mm-hmm. we as caregivers, as professionals, can experience vicarious trauma through mm-hmm. our support of others. Yeah. And so when we talk about mental health awareness, part of it that I like to talk about um, as a caregiver to another caregiver is ensuring that you've got the appropriate safeguards yourself, the mm-hmm. appropriate self-care, and um, and just knowing what to do for yourself because we cannot... We cannot um, stop a sinking ship. We have to make sure that we're giving out those life jackets to each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've I've seen an increase in that too. eh? Mm -hmm. Like I've seen an increase in people putting out those um, check on your friends posts, Mm -hmm. like check on your friends who are laughing all the time, check on your friends who are always okay. Like, and it, it's interesting because it's not like it's a new concept. It isn't. But all of a sudden it's picking up some serious steam, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's okay to look in on your friends who are usually okay. Yeah. You know? And I think taking that element full circle, I mean, look at how you and I met Instagram, mm-hmm. right? And we talk about instant gratification and people's perceived lives can look so wonderful on the outside. Mm-hmm. You can have 12,000 followers. You can have likes on everything. Mm-hmm. But was that picture just taken for a snapshot? Was that picture just taken for your own self-assuredness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like Instagram specifically is confusing to me mm-hmm. like i'm i'm confused easily in general <laughs> mm-hmm. and definitely by the internet like yeah. I, the i don't understand people talk about twitter for example all the time i don't understand twitter i don't understand no it. i don't understand why it's a big deal i guess i do understand that it's becoming a big deal because potus is using it as a platform that's right right very bully, terribly yeah it, terribly yeah. using it as a platform <laughs> to bully people yes like literally threatening people on yeah. there like it's so strange yeah, right it's gross it, it is yeah. and I, I guess it's just as gross when your average citizens do it mm-hmm. to each other mm-hmm. because cyberbullying is a thing it really is um and i know that it affects quite a lot of young young people specifically i guess i don't know how they come up with these numbers but apparently it affects young women most mm. most of all yeah. between i think it's I want to say like 16 and 24. I can't remember the exact numbers that were given, but it's apparently a real thing. And both genders have their own set of issues, I think. Like I work for a feminist agency yeah. without disclosing too much yeah, about yeah. where I work. And um, one of the things that, that actually landed me in this job was a comment of real queens fix each other's crowns. Yeah. And when asked, am I a feminist? I'm not. I'm not. I th- I believe that women have been subjected to things, but I also feel that men have been subjected to different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do see in the work that I do, that I deal with um, a lot of women that have been either sexually abused or um, pigeonholed or different forms of abuse. Even um, gaslighting is a mm-hmm. huge form of abuse that these women have, have gone through. Um, God, that's coming more and more, uh, that term gaslighting. Yeah. Right? It's more and more like relevant. Yeah. It's so sly. Isn't it? It's so sly. And it's um, often the abusers are very intelligent, mm-hmm. um, but facing their own their own issues, right? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to think of why someone would have to put down someone and manipulate someone so much just for their own gratification. Mm-hmm. And just for their own sense of control, mm-hmm. right? Like, because mm-hmm. what I, I, I briefly worked at a women's shelter in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was It was specific to domestic violence and... Um, when I worked there, I was there for a short period of time, but there, the constant theme is power and control, power, power and control. And, control right? and maybe that's another addiction of its own. Oh, I would say. Right? Yeah, I would say. Because I don't know about you, but I've been angry in a, before in a way that mm-hmm. made me feel so powerful mm-hmm. and like righteous. Mm-hmm. It's such a dangerous fucking thing, right? Yeah. Like. 
because especially for people who are addictive yeah. and I'm addictive. Yeah, like me too. I, I'm an alcoholic in recovery, mm -hmm. but I'm addictive. So there's like, I, I lived off of anger, mm -hmm. right? Like it was like, oh yeah, that's a nice hit, right? Mm -hmm. Like it starts to become that same thing. Yep. I, I mean, honestly, I have never physically like pushed or hit or anything like that unless it was a woman attacking me outside of the home kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I've had to like fend people off before, but like I don't understand the physical abuse thing mm -hmm. as much as I start to see these sly ways. And I say sly because acting out of denial, right? Out of mm -hmm. a place of not knowing. Yeah. When like, even if I look back, I bet you there's probably a ton of people that would say, Dave used to gaslight me. Mm -hmm. Right. I wouldn't have a fucking clue what that involuntarily meant. or knowing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's like right. I wouldn't I wouldn't look back on it and be able to like pinpoint it. But I could honestly, if I'm honest, say I probably did. Yeah. I, I probably did. I probably did it without even fucking knowing it. Yeah. Well, that's an that's an addict's mentality, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know from my own perspective, if I need what I need, I'm going to do anything that I need to. And I see that in my work. I see mm -hmm. that pr professionally and personally. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that mental manipulation is just part of the psyche of an addict. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, I mean, it just uncovers that mm -hmm. though, right? More and more. And I'm, I'm glad that people talk about like gaslighting more often and stuff because I've been gaslit too. Yeah. Right. Like most of us have, yeah. um, to some one extent or another, right. By a partner. Unfortunately, it's most often partners. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. most often the toxic partners. Right. So I guess the question is then how do you change that cycle? And mm -hmm. that's a question I'm asked every day. How do you yeah. change that cycle? And so what do you think? How do you change the cycles? I think you need to first be aware of it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very hard awakening. And then mm -hmm. you face the stages of grief. Yeah, You face that denial. You face that bargaining. You face trying to change that person. And often we live as codependence. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm codependent on coffee every morning. Oh yeah, And we've all been codependent on something, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's breaking that cycle literally. Um, I think the first step is acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. That hard awakening. Yeah. Having great supports around you. Um, we live in a wonderful time where there's so many supports mm -hmm. professionally. We've got our friends, we've got agencies, we've got health services. We're very fortunate where this mm -hmm. always hasn't been like this. Oh, you said it. Right? <laughs> um, and then I think living in it, mm -hmm. living the grief. I don't know, for me, you got to hit some hard spots before you're going to be willing to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and never giving true. up, right? Yeah. I think it's it's a constant battle for me every day. Is not giving up, mm -hmm. both from the addictions and the mental health side. I yeah. certainly have gone through some pretty dramatic glows the last couple of months. Yeah, and just remembering when I have the mental capacity to remember, because yeah. you don't always. That's something that's that's sometimes beyond your control. But that's the thing about having a mental illness, because I have severe depressive disorder, so I'm taking medication mm -hmm. and 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 I get treatment. Um, but that's the depression, right? It like is. It, it's just once it blankets you and you're in it, I can't reason. Yeah. I have to have the people to reach out to. That's right. Because I can't reason. Because my brain is not able to pull those those usual things in that calm me down, mm -hmm. right? But when that depression like really overwhelms me, all I can do is just try to like stay alive. Yeah. Right? And that's sometimes the hardest part because I don't know how it is for you, but in those moments I have... Okay, so right now I'm not I'm feeling overly depressed, so I have safeguards, right? Mm -hmm. But when those moments happen to me, I'm so out of control. I literally have times where I call it driving the deer foot, where I know, all right, I do a self-check. All right, Chelsea, where are you today? 
ask yourself, where are you? Are you actually safe enough to drive the deer foot? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's unfortunate that some people don't have those. And, yeah. and that's why they, there's really good people like you and I here mm-hmm. to recognize those things and, and help others come to those those solid plans of, yeah. of how to avoid those triggers. Yeah, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, uh, an old friend of mine, like a long time ago, we were talking about like, um, you know, there, there was a mom who drove her kids into a lake and killed the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it. He has kids. Um, and at the time, uh, it was it was interesting because I'm like, you know, like, that's just like sickness, right? Like there's not, there's nothing, there's no uh, malicious intent there. I bet you if you asked her, she probably wouldn't even have thought the kids were going to die, mm-hmm. right? What she was trying to do is get them shut up. And so, and as a person, I was given many coping mechanisms, right? Because my parents were there, they were loving, mm-hmm. they, they tried their best. They're not perfect, that's for sure, but they tried their best and I never felt unloved, right? But that's not the norm. Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. So like when what him and I were talking about was how many people actually do this and abuse their kids because they don't have any other coping mechanisms. Right. So it's not about maliciousness or anything. It's they don't know any different. Nobody ever told them. Well, and I think given both of our lines of work, I think we've heard some pretty traumatic stories and Mm -hmm. some things that are so counterintuitive to us as norm mm-hmm. um people having experienced that and i just want to take a moment to actually honor that for people mm-hmm. like well, i've heard some some terrible stories yeah right? and, and that's because there mm-hmm. are so many terrible yeah. stories yeah yeah and it, it's one of those things where um there's there, there's no seemingly end to it mm-hmm. and and i like i've been working in the field for oh, shit i'm gonna age myself but (laughs) like probably i think 21 or 22 years so half my life almost right has been spent in working in the field Mm -hmm. and i i just don't know like i don't know what we're missing because it seems to continually and i maybe what we're missing is that we're just disconnected well, and I think maybe that this is going to be kind of thinking outside of the box, mm-hmm. radical acceptance, as we say in the DBT world. But maybe we need to have this kind of balance, right? Maybe we need for people to continue to be sick in order to grow. Because if everything was all, and I know this is a very radical acceptance, so yeah. bear with me. But what if we were all just living perfect lives? Imagine if everything was just cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. What growth as a human being or a society or as a culture would we truly have? Yeah. None. Right? Very little. I, I try and practice what I preach. And one of the things that I'm known for saying to my clients is change your perspective. Mm-hmm. That glass isn't half empty or full. You still have water either way. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fair. You do have water. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of whether it's full or empty, mm-hmm. still water in it. And right? I think sometimes you need that radical acceptance to yeah. kind of shake yourself out. Yeah. I know I do. I know on day three of laying in my bed because I've been too sick or too sad. Mm-hmm. Sadness is a sickness. Um, to get out, I yeah. need to really, really do some pervasive thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, there's no doubt about it. There's mm-hmm. got to be like safeguards in place and just stuff that we would normally do so that we can, like what I found that when the dark times hit, it's much easier to rely on simple mm-hmm. things, simple, like call so-and-so do this, go to this meeting, go to that. Because as an alcoholic, that's one of the gifts that I get yeah. going to a 12 step fellowship of any kind is there's fellowship there. And sometimes when I'm in a really shitty spot mm-hmm. and the depression's kicking my ass, I'll, I'll go to a meeting and I'll just sit there and I won't say a word, but I know that I'm safe there. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those safe places. And my hope is, is that as people develop whatever illnesses they develop, that in the, when things are good, we go and we set up those things. Because they're, when they're simple, they're practical. When they're practical, we're going to do it. Yeah. Right? And um, of course... 
when you say outside the box with the thinking, there is absolutely no box this stuff fits in anymore. Not yeah. in my mind yeah. anyway, right? So there's no other way to address it besides outside of it. I think so. And yeah. I think one thing that you mentioned um, is community, right? And um, living with mental illness, I know, and I'm sure you can uh, appreciate this as well, mm. is that isolation that we feel both as yeah. addicts um, and also living with mental health, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the big things for me is that I'd love to reach out to my personal network, mm-hmm. but I never want to impose my sadness. I always mm-hmm. say I don't want to bring negative Nancy. When in reality, really, I just need someone there, right? So mm-hmm. I think things like the 12 Sip Fellowship are great because it gives you community. Mm-hmm. And as human beings, we want that sense of community. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, I can speak for this generation-ish, um, this camaraderie and this community of being together and, and going back to the Instagram and the popularity mm-hmm. can be a double-edged sword because it also fuels us, right, into situations, going out partying, going yeah. out clubbing, you know, everything, right? It fuels yeah. us to belong. And if everyone else is drinking, it's very hard. It's very hard to not engage in those kind of reckless behaviors when you know it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. especially if you don't have any support yeah. around you that is doing it in a different way. That's right. Right. Because, I mean, I, and before I sobered up, like I lived, my dad's a uh, recovering addict. My mom's an Al-Anon, has been forever. But I had no fucking connection to yeah, it yeah. until I went to somewhere that they weren't. And I went to this meeting and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, oh, that's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? But without any support, once I told them, I had all the support in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so building that and i know lots of guys and girls who don't have any of that because their family's either gone or they're just shitty and denial, denial yeah, as well right mm-hmm. or they're in denial mm-hmm. and but it's better to have no family than a shitty one <laughs> in some cases amen to that right especially yeah. because some shitty families are really shitty yeah. to the point where they absolutely like are trying to kill you mm-hmm. right and that is true for some people and you know what one of the few things that my, i don't want to put my dad under the rug or anything but one of the few things that I learned genuinely to this day was from my dad and he said Chelsea you can't choose your family but you can sure choose your friends Mm -hmm. that was a little nugget of of information he gave me that just resonated yeah because you get to choose like who you spend your time with right and I think that that's one of the things that happened for me it wasn't like all my friends before I sobered up were bad Mm -hmm. that's not true and I think sometimes that might come across for me when I'm talking about it because they're not, a lot of them aren't my friends anymore, mm-hmm. but that's not because they're bad, right? It's because when I sobered up, I just no longer had that in common with mm-hmm. them, right? There was the ones that I had stuff in common with, we still chat with today, but the the majority of them, we just don't have anything in common. I want to get better. I have no problem talking about my mental illness mm-hmm. or my addiction um, or the fact that I'm like bisexual, like mm-hmm. those things, those three things together almost fucking killed me, mm-hmm. right? Before... And so part of the process of recovery is, I think, whatever we're recovering from, because I've yet to meet someone who isn't recovering from something. I mean, Darcy's recovering from an awesome beard. What is he going to do about that? (laughs) He's just going to keep growing it and keep recovering. Um, But I I just, I haven't met anyone yet who doesn't have stuff. I think it's the human condition. Yeah. And it's beautiful in in its own regard, right? The fact that we can grow from such trauma Mm -hmm. and such abuse. And I mean, everyone's experienced something to a different degree. Um, And we can flourish, really. And Mm -hmm. I try and inspire other people in in my work, especially to to believe in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like powerful stuff for people, right? Mm -hmm. When, when, 
um, I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I, God, it's like you just when you take when you do it for so long, you just kind of forget about it, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, and you think, well, what else would I do? I mean, really, I have no skills whatsoever, right? I've like, tried doing other things. Yeah. yeah. In my journey over the last 13 years, um, like I said, previously it was predominantly with PD, so mm-hmm. persons with developmental disability work. Um, very, very similar to this. Mm-hmm. I've tried. I've tried having an office job. I've tried having a nine to five. Did you? Oh, I think. How what painful if, was that? Oh, my gosh. I'm still in recovery from that. Yeah. See, yeah. everyone's yeah. recovering oh. from something. Yeah. I, right? I'm not content with, um, you know, not having a little bit of risk every day, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not content with the status quo or the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good day when I've wielded a, a 12-inch butcher knife and haven't gotten hurt, <laughs> right? And then and then if we've all cried together mm-hmm. and we've put away the knives and everything's good and now mm-hmm. we're working back on the path. Yeah. I might also be an, an adrenaline junkie, I'm mm-hmm. thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a there's a bit of it because I think every kind of work like this is yeah. risky. Oh. Like there's inherent risk with it, right? But there's like, no reward without any risk, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Spoken like a true addict. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm going to risk it all, man. Yeah. I'm going to risk it all. No, you don't have to risk it all. Just a little bit. Just a little bit at a time. I don't need to pay rent next <laughs> month. I'll figure that out. <laughs> that's right. The budget will balance itself. <laughs> We're still all here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. we are. <laughs> I, and I mean, the truth of the matter is, who fucking else are you going to do? I couldn't do anything else. Like I couldn't. I, I've tried to be um, customer service, yeah. failed miserably. Almost throat called somebody over. <laughs> yeah, like the customer. That's how customer servicey I was. And of all things, it was at a video store, which I love. Oh movies, yikes! Yeah. Right. And it was this old Casablanca video store mm-hmm. over in Martaloop, mm. way way back. Mm-hmm. I worked there. I was in college. I had like three jobs. So obviously, that was my last. The only reason I had the job was for free videos. Yeah. Really, yeah. there was the only reason I had it. Because I could rent like six movies a night or a week or whatever I wanted. And anyway, guy comes in, starts haggling over $3 late fee. And you can just imagine how excited I was standing on the other side of the counter going, it's three bucks, dude. <laughs> like literally, that's what I said. Yeah. It's three bucks, dude. Like, okay, it's three bucks. And then he starts getting mad at me. So then I'm like, look, man, if I have to come over that counter and explain to you how little three bucks yeah. is, we're going to have a problem. And then he called the manager and I was I was fired. Oh, so. No. That's okay. I, I deserve to be fired, yeah. right? Because it was l- like literally I am not a customer service mm-hmm. agent. I couldn't do anything else. I tried to dabble in the customer service and I did tech support over the phone. Did you? How'd that years. go? I, I'm going to apologize to my mom in advance, but I think it was more difficult to help my mom over the phone yeah. setting up her email. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm a very patient person, which maybe mm-hmm. is why I'm in this field still. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but tech support is absolutely – and they were American too, yeah. so – Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit different than us uh, over-apologizing Canadians. Yeah, a little bit different. A little right? bit. Yeah, they're not quite as accepting mm. in certain ways, maybe. I don't even know how to word that. I'm uh, part American, too. So. Let's just consult Twitter about it. Yeah, we'll consult Twitter. <laughs> let's ask POTUS. Let's ask POTUS. <laughs> Darcy, would you please send a message on Twitter to Trump, please? Yeah, <laughs> just say, hey, Trumpy Trump. Go Trump. Um yeah, I, it's such a, there's such a many, so many questions, sorry, running through my head. Um, I just, once you get into the work, it's hard to go somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I I would miss the people, right? Yeah, I took a brief um, hiatus from the work uh, in the spring of last year, and something was really lacking, and I thought, oh, it's the finances, well, I don't really get paid enough anyway, so... Yeah. Um, it wasn't that it was the the engagement with the with the individuals that we serve. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I think for some people, um, we need that. I think I get a lot of sense of purpose out of the work that I do mm-hmm. um, and going through other people's hard times with them while still avoiding that transference element for mm-hmm. myself because that's a very dangerous spot to be in. Yeah. Um, but having that reward and watching people come to their rewards on their mm-hmm. own is a beautiful thing. There's yeah. nothing that's quite like it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There isn't. And it's funny because uh, so I run a group like four times a year. It used to be every month, but I just couldn't do it anymore. It was too much. And today we were talking about the process of a, a woman leaving her home a dom- of domestic violence, right? It's like, and they were like, well, why wouldn't you just tell the person? And they didn't say that, but this has come in the past. Why don't you just tell them to leave? And I'm like, do you honestly believe that I did not think of that first? Mm-hmm. No, I thought of it. And then I realized, well, that's a stupid thing to say to someone who's trapped because mm-hmm. they feel trapped because they're being abused. And so what we were talking about was, so they said, well, what's, what's the approach? And I said, well, the approach is to help build strength so that one day down the line, that person can say, I need to leave. But it doesn't come when you tell them right away. So anyone listening out there, if you have friends or going mm-hmm. through this stuff, it is really, and I know it's well-intentioned. I really do. Because it's such a obvious, like, in my mind, kind of obvious blanket statement, right? To say, well, why don't you just leave? If mm-hmm. you were smarter, you would just leave. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help. <laughs> it's kind of like setting the building blocks for someone to come to that own conclusion on their own. Yeah. And I've seen that with friends in the past and, and through work where I don't want to set you up for your 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 finish line, right? Mm-hmm. I think part of the process is going through that process and um, coming from like a, a housing first model, which is what we practice, mm-hmm. is making sure that you have that safety and you have and us as supports our mm-hmm. safety and education. And um, I think allowing someone to come to their own conclusions and their own destiny on their own is huge. Well, yeah, and I think it's the purpose, yeah. right? It's like that right of self-determination. That's right. And I, that's like one of the only things I remember from school <laughs> is that that's like a part of my job is to try to encourage that, right? Because just like I would want it for myself. And I, I, I just I just had to say that because after today, I just was like, you know what? Like if you know people who are being abused, like just support them. Yeah. You help them build strength. Eventually, they'll they'll leave. If they, if they decide they have to leave, they'll leave. Well, and coming from the other person's perspective, that woman right now, I can say like sometimes we just need – not someone to give us the answers. Mm-hmm. Listen, if if my doctor and my psychiatrist and my behavioral therapist and my mom can't fix me, you're not going to, yeah. right? And that's not what we want. We just want that safe landing spot for every time we make the same mistake or maybe we don't mm-hmm. um, accomplish the, the, the goal that you'd want or that yeah. maybe the best outcome might be. Every time we, we go through that cycle, just having that unconditionality. Yeah. And that's the key, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like as a worker. So I work in, I, I work in different not a word this i work in different professions with mm-hmm. different people of different, different professions, hats. different yeah. hats so they they all wear different hats but the truth of the matter is they're all just humans anyway right still the same thing mm-hmm. and it just happened again man my brain just went blank seriously dude okay kids don't do drugs don't drink um, <laughs> don't drink too much don't do drugs i'm kidding if you're gonna do drugs use them safely um, find out about their safest use harm reduction harm reduction harm reduction well and the, the truth of the matter is you know, harm reduction, like I went, when I first sobered up, I was abstinence, mm-hmm. right? I was like, fuck harm reduction, yeah. you fucking fucks. And then you don't have to delete that. I like that. I like <laughs> that sound, you fucking fucks. Um, you can delete that one. <laughs> but it's like that. Well, of course, I was like rigid because I was scared, right? 
because I was scared. It was a safeguard. I, it was safeguard, yeah. 100%. And I safeguarded. I even like, we even talked a little bit about that today too. I safeguarded myself, put myself in a little box yeah. and said, okay, this is where I can be safe. This is what I can be safe with. Any other information that's coming in, not coming in. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take it right now. And of course, um, that's less helpful for me, but also I understand it. That I understand is protecting yourself, yeah. right? Um, see again, dude. Harm reduction. Harm reduction. Thank you. See, if he wasn't here, I'd have, seriously, we'd have like all this dead air and then the <laughs> other person's voice just talking because it would be like, where'd Dave go? I don't know. <laughs> but I went from that rigid abstinence to harm reduction. And the reason I did is like 100% to me logical, right? It's logic. People are dying, okay? It's not logical to try to force them not to use something, okay? If they're dying. And they are obviously dying. So why would I not want people to not die? So I was like, okay. And gradually it started to shift. And then I got to know like parents of kids who died. And then I got to know siblings of brothers and sisters who died. Mm -hmm. And as I get to know more and more, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, why, why are we not helping in a different way? Mm -hmm. And as professionals even, right? Because right now that's a big topic, yeah. harm, the harm reduction versus abstinence. Yeah. It's gonna get bigger. People are gonna like lose their shit over it. Like, go ahead. Yeah, so I was just gonna, where I work, we practice um, harm reduction. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to all the men and women working at Sheldon Schumer at SafeWorks. Those folks are doing a fantastic job out there. Um, mm. Fantastic. Um, my approach on that and my comment on that is um, why would we stop a connection that's going to potentially ha be had by taking something like addiction and, and making that the forefront? Really, I think it's the first way that we judge people. And so if we allow people to live their story where they are at right now and keep mm -hmm. doing what they're doing, that is the best way to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's yeah. In my mind, it's one of those things that I, I myself personally was missing for a bit, mm -hmm. right? Like just personally. Um it's a weird, eh? like professionally, I know what the rules are. I know how to do it. It's fucking simple. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's like personal, it's like mm, oh, such a struggle. <laughs> different. I'm like a, a Jackie of all trades and a master of applying none of those skills mm -hmm. to myself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely none of them. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting because the, the harm reduction, what people are actually fighting against isn't a harm reduction. Mm -hmm. What they're fighting against is what happens in one location. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and really for us to say, that harm reduction is not working based on a high crime area anyway. Mm -hmm. it, it's downtown. That area has never been low crime. I mean, obviously it's higher crime now, mm -hmm. right? Obviously there's an impact on that. And the surrounding area, I feel for them. I do. I feel for the church across the street that's been constantly vandalized. Yeah. I feel for the neighbors. I do. I feel for them. Where are we supposed to do it? I think with harm reduction, there it's a multi-level... It's a multi-level issue, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the first um, approach is is meeting people where they're at, yep. providing safe supplies, providing safety. And I think what people overlook, and maybe even us who practice the harm reduction for other people or with other people, is now what do we do? So we've given out boxes, cartons of, of needles, of, mm -hmm. of everything. But now what do we do? And that's where the impact and the engagement comes because often what can happen is we stagnate mm -hmm. and we're just sitting there and now we've got 
you know, just a, just a place that everyone's using drugs. But really, yeah. the next step, what are we going to do then, right? That's right. And that's where people like me come in and we engage and we find out what the goals are and mm-hmm. we help with planning and we, we maintain um, and we, we support them having um, sustainable housing, right? Mm-hmm. And planning together at that individual's own pace yeah. at their own request. Um, it seems pretty reasonable to me. Yeah. Why would you force them to do something they can't do? right that's what life is every day though isn't yeah it? like i mean it's so funny right yeah. like it it was like the eye opener to me was and i know as a professional I, i'm gonna take shit for saying it like mm-hmm. I, I absolutely will uh, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day i want people to be alive because yeah. if they're alive for a day they have a chance to get better and if they have a chance to get better they have a chance to like impact the world in a way that i cannot possibly see we're right? only one individual each but if we can touch other people we can create uh, many more happiness. Many so, more. You were like really? a fortune cookie right there. Many more many happinesses. More I speak in haiku. I like it. Tata. Yeah. <laughs> many more happinesses. Let's edit that part out. To you and your family. Oh, no, that's going oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> to be the opening line. Many more happinesses. Many more happiness for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, I just, I think that, you know, being able to try to help people where they are mm-hmm. is it's imperative. I understand how uncomfortable it is. I do. I fucking do. It's I actually forget. I actually forget because sometimes I'm walking around, you know, at the vents with a, I'm picking up a client who's in talks at the vents and I forget sometimes I'm like, three years ago, Chelsea probably wouldn't put herself in this position, but it seems so normal. Like I very yeah. much normalize it, right? Yeah, of course, because you start to get, you get, start to get used to where you are and, yeah. and what you're doing and, and you get comfortable and confident because, well, you get good at it. I think that's, I mean, for us that work with this um, population and we have lived this life, I think we forget sometimes how from the outside looking in, how awkward that can look to most people. Yeah. Right? And I think, but that's the trouble. Most people who are encountering this stuff, these situations and individuals mm-hmm. are people who don't have exposure to it. Mm-hmm. So of course it seems off the red, off the charts, right? Like mm-hmm. it's off the charts crazy to them because they've never had to chase dope. Right. And or they've never felt that compulsion, yeah, that obsession. Right. right. I can't tell someone who's never been obsessive about yeah. something what it's like to be obsessive. Yeah. Only to simply say that it's the only thought in your head. It's all captivating every pore, every cell that you have. Yeah, exactly. It permeates from it. it it's all about what we become in that scenario. And so like if it takes so if someone's using opiates. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is my again. Fuck. These are the same people who were like raised up in arms about this Amber Alert last night. I got to tell you, I just want to go walking around smacking people in the head, right? Because they said in Ontario it was too late. It was too late. You bothered us late at night. It was fucking midnight or some shit like that. Hmm. And then, of course, we wake up and the girl's dead. Wow. The girl's dead. And people are complaining they got woken up by an Amber Alert. Wow. See, that kind of stuff pissing me off. Darcy's probably used to my like tone of voice when I start getting mad, like with the seals. And then there was something else because I watched like these seals getting like killed. And I'm like, fuck, I want to go kill these guys that are doing this because they look and they seem so self-righteous when they're doing it. I'm like, really? This is a baby fucking seal, dude. How tough can you actually think you are? David the baby seal killer killer? Yeah, I like it. (laughs) David the baby seal killer killer. I'm going to start bringing pictures of puppies. I love it. You show me puppies like a Rorschach test. You're CBT. like, what do you see? <laughs> do you see the puppy, Dave? Because <laughs> you're all of a sudden going to talk like someone else. Yeah. Um, but the harm reduction, like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I say to someone who can't stop using heroin, 
why wouldn't I say, hey, like, do you have any success smoking weed? Why wouldn't I ask them? Do you have any success? Like, are you able to moderate your tequila intake? Right? Well, I could never. They have the MAP program, the Managed yeah. Alcohol Program for Addicts. They've got multitude of different opioid um, therapies out there. So mm-hmm. that is in practice. I think even just saying, um, no, I've lost my train of thought. I like it. It's contagious. It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pass. I forget. Yeah. What were we talking about? Um, talking about MAP. MAP and the opioid. Um, yeah, the opioid program. programs. It's gone. Yeah. It'll come back like later on tonight. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. It's true, man. It happens to me all the time. Um, but it's it's kind of like, I, of course I'm going to suggest that. Like if that's an option for somebody, why wouldn't I suggest it? First of all, I mean, I don't care that weed's legal now. It's been legal as medicine for a long enough time, right? Like, and I'm not a doctor. Even doctors don't fucking know. So how are anyone else supposed to know? But when you work in like a addiction and mental illness and stuff like that um most most private places come from that abstinence place Mm -hmm. right and and i i can appreciate that because for me i needed abstinence from alcohol but i needed abstinence from alcohol and morphine Mm -hmm. that's my abstinence right if there was like if my doctor said you need to take this Mm -hmm. i'm taking it yeah well because the doctor tells you if it's reasonable right like Obviously, in my sobriety, I avoid opiates like the plague because mm-hmm. even when I had surgeries, like I just have to. There's nothing that anyone else can do about that for yeah. me. I need to avoid those things. But it doesn't mean I don't take a Tylenol or right or take other medications for mm-hmm. my chronic pain. Um, there's just I. I guess that that whole is either black and white. That kind of bullshit is what kills people. I think right. And I think to a level, we also have to, to ask the question of why do poor people stay poor? Is it not easier for the government to hmm. not provide treatment as a means of population control, mm-hmm. as a means of we can look at the cultural element. We can look at a different things. That's mm-hmm. a huge monkey in a barrel of, yeah. of questions, right? So I think those things really do exist. Oh, without well. question, they exist, yeah. right? So. I see it every day in the work that I do with a predominantly indigenous. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you see with that? I see people that if they were a cis white male would not be kicked out on the street at 2 a.m. from mm-hmm. any one of the number of hospital, uh, hospitals here. Yeah. I see people that don't get financial benefits. I see people that have experienced some of the worst of the worst and mm-hmm. and have lost their hope, right? Yeah, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. That's And it's like... Uh, I was talking to, well, talking. Yeah, I was talking to a friend. He's a friend, but it was, I, I posted the um, the Colton kid that was killed. I posted, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I posted his picture and, and there was a little saying and, and he's a friend. He's a nice guy. Like he, he didn't, I don't think he means, he's not meaning it anyway, but what he, he said, it was, what a terrible poster boy to use for this cause. And I'm like, really? I'm like, would you have paid attention if the kid was alive? Mm-hmm. Like, would the kid have been in that position if he wasn't like had some had some downsides to him yeah. like the rest of us like so my point was all i said was look man the difference is night and day and you know it is you know it is Absolutely. you know that when we're watching other people interact with members of a different race yeah. specifically indigenous That's population right. um we have seen the authorities in our town Treat them differently. Absolutely. And if you try to tell me that's not true, I'm going to call you a liar, 
because it's true. Because I, I've, like I said, we've all been around long enough that we've seen um, people get preferential treatment. Look, I'm a 44-year-old white man living in North America. I'm going to fall back on that till the day I die. <laughs> because the truth is, it brings me back to reality. I don't have those issues to deal with. It's easy for me to sit back and say, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe the, the guy was justified to shoot him in the face. Like, well, I don't know. Well, maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt. You're right. Mm -hmm. We don't want to presume he's guilty without a trial. But we have to at least have a fair trial in mind if we're going to do it. Me too. Right? And we can't say there's a fair trial anymore. I just can't. Like the more and more I, I learn about this stuff from like Darcy, from Darcy's partner, Michelle. Is she okay with wife or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys are obviously married, but I mean your partner because you guys act like partners, right? Um, but the more I learn and my partners is um, AT. And, and so the more I'm learning there, I'm like, holy fuck. Like I didn't even know all the different ways that, it happens because I couldn't. Well, and for me as well, I mean, growing up in, again, a small town of 500 to mm -hmm. here, it, there has been some observations that have kind of made me take my breath back and, and really be more aware. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where it comes from is like being aware. I think we can all use an eye opener. Yeah. Um, we can all be more empathetic and um, just thoughtful. Yeah. Like I just, and I, I don't know, I, I guess, you know, there's, I can't say all, because this is not the case, like all are not good or bad of anything. But I remember, you know, when I was working at the drop-in center years ago, as I used to work there overnights, and I worked the intox level. Ugh, why the fuck I did that? I don't know. <laughs> Probably because God Insane. was pushing me to get sober because yeah. I was still drinking then. Yeah. And holy crap, we leave that place after four nights in a row and we'd go to the <gasps> river, me and the workers, would go together and we would basically do exactly what the clients were doing yeah. all day. We'd sit by the river getting drunk, mm -hmm. right? Like literally that's what we did. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that story. Fuck. But anyway, working there, um, oh, the preferential treatment, mm -hmm. right? The preferential treatment isn't just about like race, right? Um, sometimes preferential treatment is about um, politeness. Mm -hmm. It's as simple mm. as being polite, right? It's like um, we have all these different, each of us has different things that we look for to be attracted to, mm -hmm. right? So I probably noticed it because I try to be polite, like until I'm not polite, but I try to be um, for the most part. For the most part. Yeah. I say please and thank you mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So How obviously, Canadian of you. what's that? How Canadian of you. Right? Mm -hmm. And so obviously, when I hear that, I am kind of, I'm probably more likely to drift towards mm -hmm. that, right? Because I appreciate when people say please and thank you because it shows a less sense of entitlement. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it doesn't mean that person doesn't carry a sense of entitlement. It just means in that moment they're being fucking polite. Um, fucking polite. Love yeah. <laughs> because I, I realize that even though some people are polite, they're not doing it because they're nice. That's right. right? Like, but this, there just was this like constant feeling of if you're homeless – and you're Aboriginal or Indigenous um, or First Nations, uh, it, it obviously it's your fault, right? Like, yeah, there's so much that's overlooked, like the cycles of abuse, the cycles of addiction. You can even look at nutrition. Yeah. There's so many factors that so contribute many. to where we are right now. Yeah, and and to where the to where the no wonder 
that the indigenous population is pissed off, right? What did we really expect to happen? I expect what was your what was the off. outcome? Right? Yeah. What did we expect the the ideal outcome was? Yeah. We we can't expect it to go we can't expect not to um have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's a very real thing. It's not a fucking thing that's being made mm-hmm. up. And, and like I understand like from from my perspective as a 44-year-old white male living in North America, okay, I don't have any fucking complaints. Mm-hmm. When it comes to that global thing, I don't have any. I have so many different opportunities that other people wouldn't get. I, I totally believe that, right? It's because of my family, because of my uh, ability to have education, ability to have access to information. Um, there's all these different factors, like you said. I the, the Some of the most horrible stories I've ever heard are from Indigenous people. Absolutely. Right? The most horrendous fifth steps I've ever heard, that I've ever heard, sat in and listened to, were from my indigenous friends and brothers and sisters. Like, those are the worst stories I've ever heard. I'm not saying that other races don't have bad stories. Don't get me wrong, right? But when when I was working in at In From The Cold, my first job as in my career, and the first immigrant family came in, I cannot even imagine the horrors they faced in Africa. Yeah. I can't. Oh my I can't gosh. imagine it, right? Um, but... What's, what pisses me off over time is that we have somehow the ability to sit back and say, oh, those are fucking horrible things that are happening in Africa. Meanwhile, what is happening here? In our own backyards. Yeah. yeah. Like, and and I'm prob- I am just as guilty, right? Just as guilty. I don't know. I'm probably getting fired up, man, because I'm really tired, eh? Like, <laughs> I'm probably punchy. I hope I'm not like ups- like upsetting no, you. No, not or... in the very least. No, okay, good, because I'm hoping not. Yeah, no. Sometimes I, I could just get crazy. Yeah, anyway. So I'm trying to get off that soapbox is what I'm trying to do. I'm going to let you talk for a minute. That's the worst part. I'm, I don't need to talk. Because <laughs> I could go nuts and then I'll yeah. get myself in trouble, right? Don't do that. Yeah, That's I'll get myself in trouble. Not because it's not true, mm-hmm. but because like, it's just people just want to fight about it. Yeah. I think for me, I struggle with that because I'm very solutions-based mm-hmm. and I have no idea what the solution is. Mm-hmm. I've admitted defeat to my own my own power of knowing. Like, I really just don't. Mm-hmm. And I think all you can do every day is continue taking a step forward, continue yeah. fighting the good fight, continue being those warriors, even for ourselves, mm-hmm. because we really do have to be good for ourselves before we can be adequate to help others, right? Yeah. It's about that self-care element. 100%. Just keep trying. I had a client tell me once, this just hit me. And she's a client who's lived with oh, an abhorrent amount of stuff that's happened. Mm-hmm. She said to me, Chelsea, the sun can get up every day seeing the shit that the sun sees every day. Mm-hmm. So can I. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I'm looking at her Fuck. with everything that she's experienced. <laughs> and she's consoling me. Like, yeah. The sun can get up every day and see that shit. And it, and wow. it still hits me, right? Yeah. I just got like a wave of goosebumps go all over me. Thank you for that. Whatever her name was, thank her for it too. You know what she gave me the next day? A little sun, a little sun candle holder. And she said, look me right in the eyes. And if you're having a bad day, just remember that sun. Remember that sun, man. I like that. Yeah. I get all these little gems from these ladies. They're fantastic. Thank you very much for that. I like that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So we'll change subjects. I could go off on that probably all day. All night. Um, but then I just get mad and yeah. I'd throw something out the window. And <laughs> Darcy'd be like, I don't know what happened. Something just blew up. The window blew up. 
I, have this, I was tying my I have shoes. This theory that I would like to bring for my ladies. Yeah. And instead of shooting heroin, we can shoot plates. Yeah. I think it would be like a really good um, anger management program. I think it would be I'm awesome. looking for donations of plates, plates upon plates, and a rooftop yeah. that we could throw the plates off of. Nice. Right? Yeah. You're intrigued already. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> trash and stuff is fun. Oh. Right? No wasn't, wasn't someone make a bunch of money like opening up a place? <gasps> yes. One of those um, trash rooms or what are they? Destroy rooms? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. You can go in and you can just like go ballistic on it. Hmm. Yeah. Note right? to self. Add that to the list of things to try. Yeah. Well, see, I was going to try that, but then I, I picked up shooting again. So, mm. yeah. So I decided to go back to that. I've never, that's in my bucket list. Really? Yes. Okay. I, I'm going to go shooting again. Okay. And if you ever want to go, okay. you can just pop me a note on Instagram. Okay. Hell yeah. Deal. Because shooting is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you have to go to an actual shooting center because we live in Canada. Mm-hmm. You can't just shoot in your backyard. Um, yeah, I know. Not well, legally. In, in yeah, not yeah. legally. Depending on what neighborhood you live in. <laughs> yeah. If you're out on a ranch, you probably do yeah. all the time. But uh, yeah. And when I lived in California, we could go pretty much anywhere. There cool. was like outdoor ranges and um, I had a really good time with mm-hmm. it. So I picked it up again a couple of years ago. And it's been nice. Hmm. It's been Do a nice a way license? outlet. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to have a license to own. Okay. You don't have to have a license to go shoot. Really? Yeah. All right. Field trip. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> because, the, I mean, you once you sign in and you, you pay a fee or something like that at yeah. the shooting range, then you can shoot. Yeah. Hmm. So long as you have somebody who has a license with you. Right. I think. Take a group and we'll make a podcast. Yeah. Oh, I oh, like dude. it. Yeah. I like, where your, I like where your head's at. Except they probably get a little crazy about that there. Are you kidding? So I've had the same old guy both like couple, two times that I've gone shooting. The same old guy is right next to me. Mm. First time I was there with my little brother yeah. and we were just having a blast. <gasps> right. And Nate's trying to one finger thing. And then of course the old guy next to us is like, you're going to blow yourself up doing that. So what safeguards are there? Because they can't just let anyone have a gun. No, they, if you don't have a license, okay. the safeguard is I think you have to have a person who's licensed with you oh, on the range. Okay. So there was like a group of three or four girls the last time that we went and they were they had the range person with them. Okay. Yeah. And so the range person is just making sure they safe handle the guns and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Because you can see how bad that, how dangerous uh, that I'm seeing this as a huge liability. <laughs> I can see the right? red flags. I know. Total liability. That's why we should absolutely do a podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but if we're going to do a podcast, we're going to go to the outdoor range in Kananaskis in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Because that's way better. I'm down with that. Yeah, dude. Uh, I think second proposed location for a podcast is going to be a tattoo parlor. Yeah. Because yeah. where else? I can speak for myself, but that's a good way for me to get some some bad toxic feelings out and yep. some good ones in. It's I used to call tattoo sessions my therapy sessions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Still, I still call it that. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I go and I haven't been able, like last, no, two years ago, I got my last one. Yeah. But uh, my starting to get my legs full. Are you? Yeah. And I, I like it as therapy. You know, there's something to be said about, maybe this is... Um, masochism but experiencing that physical pain mm-hmm. can sometimes be such a great outlet for the emotional and mental pain yeah that you're going through can't it 100 percent. there's a reason why people cut that's right right yeah absolutely. there's a there's a definite connection to the to the physical pain releasing something yeah. right yeah and i mean in some sometimes it's just to feel something i get that right mm-hmm. like um i'm a suicide guy so that kind of stuff makes sense to me mm-hmm. uh, is there anything you want to say that you swore you'd never say to anybody else how to get her to tell us our secrets yeah secrets 
Oh, so my password to my internet browser. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that I would be probably content seeing either one of your internet browsers. Yeah, we'll Can, play Russian roulette with the internet browsing. Oh my god, wouldn't that be tip funny? Tip for tap. Yeah. <laughs> Darcy's like, I'm out. Y'all <laughs> so ain't checking mine. I wipe it. And he wipes it every day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dang. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> when you go on the dark web as much as he does, yeah. like you really have to be careful. Eh? Okay, like, so yeah. I just got about a thousand kitten memes. No big deal. Nice. <laughs> kitten memes are the best. No, I'm just kidding you. Oh, look at you. And dad jokes. Yeah, you did. <laughs> i just kidding, man. I like that. Darcy, don't get mad. Yeah, you do. Don't do <laughs> I was so nervous before that it was like this big endorphin rush. Mm. And now I'm just like, I almost feel high from like yeah. the sedation of just like, and I knew coming in that I would, I, there was elements of, cause I live with anxiety mm -hmm. really bad. Like my palms are sweaty are and they? I've been doing like my anxiety things to just try and keep it normal. Mm -hmm. But now I'm just kind of just like high on my own endorphins. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. it's, there's a flow. There is. Speaking of that though, you mentioned uh, DBT. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about Dialectical that? behavioral therapy. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Want to talk about it? I can give you, yeah, what would you like to know about I, it? I'd like, if you could, if mm -hmm. you could summarize yeah. for anyone listening out there, summarize, because whenever I think about these programs that are really effective, like yeah. DBT, CBT, there's always positives to them. Yeah. I think if you, if a person could explain it. Love to. So um, right now we're seeing a predominance, and we have been for years, of borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. um, historically, we've got things like depression and anxiety and bipolar, which can all be treated chemically, right, through pharmaceuticals, as well in conjunction therapy with mm -hmm. talk therapy, right? So um, DBT is actually the only thing that's really effective for borderline personality disorder, which comes acquired from trauma. The mm -hmm. predominance of people that live with BPD are women in their late to early 30s and going on for that's when they're getting diagnosed so dbt dialectical behavioral therapy is cbt um, with an eastern philosophy so they take things um, from mindfulness in in um, meditation mm -hmm. and you apply that with essentially cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure therapy mm -hmm. and it works wonderful for the most part, once you can learn those skills, yeah. um, because medication doesn't work, it can be the only saving grace for some people. Really? Mm -hmm. And so with, with BPD, <clears throat> um, medication doesn't treat it? Does not. Wow. Yeah. It's acquired through trauma. Yeah. yeah. Mostly in women, um, from the research that I'm seeing, but... Yeah. Um, is, there a, is, there, is there a specific trauma that does it, that causes it? Or? Often abandonment. Oh, abandonment. Okay. And right, yeah. and we go back to like that isolation piece mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier, especially in our formative years, yeah, um, there has been more abandonment with like maternal figures that they're seeing in the research. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what are some of the techniques that you would use, like that you would learn? And this just to, just to give people a morsel, right? Because yeah. sometimes it's that little piece of information that mm -hmm. kicks it into high gear. Okay. So I can, I'll talk personally. So sometimes when I'm having anxiety, um, there's four different things that I'll do in the midst of an anxiety attack. Um, so there is t uh, temperature, um, and so basically if I'm feeling hot, it'll be like a cold cloth on my head or my neck. Okay. Um, intense pressure. I'm sorry, intense activity. So it could be just like running around in a circle or pacing. I'm a big pacer. Okay. I'm a big pacer. Um, physical exercise. Um, and the S. What does the S stand for? Like that pause. The only S I can think of. It's tips. T-I-P-P-S. You're going to have to do some editing. All I can think of is sexiness. That's what the S is for. Tips. 
type in DBT tips, T-I-P-P-S, temperature, intense activity. This is like my anxiety thing. That's I should be doing tips of my own. Um, oh, <laughs> paired physical activity. So what I do for paired act- physical activity is I'll clench one fist for tightly for 10 seconds mm-hmm. and then release and then I'll clench the other one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it helps. Yeah, it doesn't help you think anymore though. Yeah. That's the idea, right? It's to not think, right? Yeah. It's the, the not thinking and shifting your focus. Yeah. yeah. And I, I appreciate that perception. You mentioned that earlier. Like that's really what, in my mind, any therapy is about, mm-hmm. is about helping someone else figure out how to shift their per- perspective, yeah. right? And look at things from a, someone else's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. That Changing your perspective. Yeah. Did you find it? That's where it was. Yeah? That was? Paired muscle relaxation. Yeah. Cool. I know it, but like in the moment, geez, can I so see what again? Is, what, what does the S stand for? Well, I don't know. That's just what I came up with. Uh, There's no S? Temperature, intense exercise, paced breathing. Paced breathing. That's the second one. Paired muscle relaxation. Oh, there's two Ps. Oh, okay. So tip. So I got the acronym wrong too? Let's do some editing right, around that's this. That's what it said. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do some editing around that. Yeah, let's yeah. do some editing around that. No, I appreciate you telling us because like there's, it's one thing when we get into something, doing mm-hmm. something for ourselves, like that helps us, right? Like meditation for me. It's easy for me to say, well, I meditate. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? What does it actually look like? Yeah, what does right. it look like to actually do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and sometimes people are thinking, oh, you got to sit cross-legged on the floor and you got to do like the half lotus or whatever, the full lotus mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. And they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Because it seems too weird to them, right? And it's like, well, all you have to do is just stop talking for a minute, start breathing, and close your eyes. Have you ever floated? Did you? Like in the, the in the um, in the chambers? Yeah, in the. Um, Did you? Do I? I do it regularly. It's one of the few times where I let my anxiety come in. Yeah. And it was so interesting the first time I did it. Wow, wow! Because I'm not necessarily a big fan of enclosed places yeah but i got in there with 1200 pounds of salted water and i turned all the lights off and i started feeling anxiety and and visually in my mind's eye i i came back to this scene where i was in bc and i remember the lake and the the mountains and i was feeling so anxious and it was so dark and then within myself it was almost like a challenge almost like a game Mm -hmm. of my mind being able to push out physically push out that anxiety and I played with it for about 60 minutes yeah um the reason I float regularly is so that I can keep that practice oh, yeah. and so that in real life in waking life outside of um mm-hmm. outside of the water I can use those skills so I strongly strongly recommend doing recommend it, it eh? yeah okay have you ever done it no I wanted to oh sidebar your skin feels great afterwards yeah. your hair well your beard hair will feel great afterwards yeah, cool. um and it's a moment to be Away from all technology, all distractions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I would dig it. I keep hearing about it. Yeah, yeah. let's do it together. Sure. Do it. Let's share a tank. Well, yeah. I don't know if you can share it too. <laughs> yeah, you could probably share a tank I somewhere. Like <laughs> I don't beard coat. All right, whatever. Whatever. I'll just cuddle myself. There you go. In my own tank. <laughs> and I'll be like, Darcy, come to my tank. Just don't get any of that water in your eyes because that's not a good feeling. No. No. All right, because it's salty, hey? It's so yeah. salty. I, I've been, re- this has been recommended now too yep. many times for me to ignore. Probably the same for Darcy. Yeah. Right? Because no, good. Yeah, the benefits appear to be like pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to tell us? What time we got? We're going to 
We're at an hour. Nice job, Chelsea. Okay, good. Thank you for Chelsea. having me. Chelsea. <laughs> right? Thanks for having me. Of course, it. you're welcome. Thanks for coming. Is there anything else you want to tell us? No, you're good? I'm good. Nice. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving of, to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morijo, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca, or find us on Facebook at Freedom's Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, Imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all. <laughs>